Hello and welcome to Lore Watch. Uh, I'm going to skip our traditional opening statement uh, and just kind of get right into it. The last week we didn't have a Lore Watch because we needed time to process what was going on, as I'm sure many of you do. Uh, and we've received numerous questions and comments about what we're going to do. We definitely feel very strongly about everything that's been going on, and we definitely feel that there needs to be some reckoning or accounting for those that have perpetrated such evilness, such vile behavior, or allowed it to flourish. It's a tricky thing for us because it is part of our branding. It is part of who we've been for, some of us, decades at this point. Not the company, per se, but the name. At the end of the day, I can't tell anybody how to feel about this. I can't tell you what the right course of action is for you. If you're listening to this and you haven't made your decision yet, I understand. It is hard. There are people that are leaving the community. There are people that don't want to have anything to do with any of this. And again, I understand. I'm not ready to leave yet. Not because I agree with anything that's happened. Far from it. I abhor it. But because I would rather try to push for change and push for accountability and push for something while part of this community. Because my fear is if people like us walk away from it, it's just going to breed a ground where people think that this is okay. And it is a deeply personal decision for all of us. And I understand completely. Matt? Okay, this is a little bit lighter-hearted from part of it, because I want to like try and get out of the depressed mood I'm in. Have you ever seen the movie Office Space? Oh, yes. Yeah, in, in that movie, there's a guy who has the same name as a famous singer. And he doesn't like the famous singer's music and everyone's like, well, if you, you think he's so bad, why don't you change your name? And his response was, why should I change it? Why should I change? He's the one who sucks. I feel like that's kind of the message I feel here. Mm -hmm. I don't see why we should lose the thing that we, we've spent so much time exploring and making friends and forging a community. I don't see why we have to lose it. They should leave. They're the ones who suck. Um, and I, if you don't feel that way, I get it. Like Joe said, you know, everyone has to do what's right for them. Uh, if you need to get away for your own sanity, if you just don't want you to be associated with this, I totally understand why you would feel that way, and I nothing but support for you. Um, if you're one of the people who worked there or works there now, Whatever your decision is, I support it. Um, this is an this is a situation where I don't have an easy answer. I have one thing I wanted to say is that for my fellow men and and male identifying people, you need to look at every time that you've done something that you know made someone else feel uncomfortable or threatened, and you you may not understand that you're part of this and that your behavior. And I'm, I'm not just saying you, I'm, I'm saying I need to look at it too. I say everybody has to look at yourselves. 
I have to look at myself. I'm, I know there have been times where I've made people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I've always felt I felt horrible after the fact, but it doesn't change the fact that I did it. And that's part part of the problem is is that we create spaces where people feel afraid to come forward, where they they don't feel like they'll be protected, and in many cases they are not protected. And that has to change. And we also can't have people who mean well, but who just ignore things because, oh, well, you know, he was drunk. He was just, you know, being a good, you know, he was just having a bad day. He's just like that. It doesn't mean anything. No, you, you, we can't have that anymore. We never could. Uh, because you may really think I'm a good guy. I would never do anything bad. They don't know you. Mm-hmm. They have to deal with what you're putting out there, not what your intentions are. Maybe you have the best intentions, but they, they, it's relatively unimportant. They, there's no way people aren't psychic. People can't know. Oh well, you know, Jimbo is a good guy. He wouldn't. You know, that, that's just absurd. It, it just isn't something people can do. And we have to change the way we behave. And I'm looking at how I behave and how I'm going to need to change it. I, I don't think I go around being a monstrous asshole like some of the people we're, we're hearing about, but I do know there's ways I can improve and we, we have to do it because this can't, you can't have this. Like you just, <sighs> and, and Matt's right. And it's one of those things that all of us need to, to be better about, not just in holding those accountable, but ourselves accountable. And I've talked about my journey from being a raging piece of crap to being what I am now. And it was not an easy journey learning all the things that I did wrong or didn't see. Um, I'm not perfect. I know that. Um, there's things that I can always do better. But also it stands to us not just to worry to, to, to do that, but don't wait to say something behind closed doors if you see something. I've seen yeah, and it way too much in, in my professional career. I've seen people pull somebody aside quietly and talk about it. Don't. Don't wait. Just do it right immediately. Yeah, and one thing too on the on the same page is this: this doesn't matter if this makes you feel bad. It's it's not about you. Mm-hmm. It's not about the people who aren't being abused for whatever their reasons are not being abused. And it's not just for women. Any marginalized community that's having problems, people in that community are, are undergoing similar problems, and. It doesn't matter that you're, you know, you, your your hurt feelings and having to confront this are not the issue. Stopping it is the issue. Get on board or get out of the way. And that, you know, sure, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great being told to, to sit down and listen because you want to start offering solutions. But you have to. It's It's long past time long past time just I made a statement the other day that we need to be better and do better and I firmly believe that across the board and as far as what we're going to be doing here for content we're going to continue producing the content that we want to produce we are not beholden to any masters besides the listeners and what we want to do with the direction of our content and the reason we're going to do that is because the people that failed are not the only people that have put their heart and soul into the things that we've enjoyed. 
In fact, many of those people that have been hurt uh, or have seen the evilness have put themselves into the games that we enjoy. And their work should not be erased. Their work should still be celebrated because they made this game. Not some executive who had the privilege to not see anything going wrong. It's those people that were crunched, that were subjected to whatever awfulness, and maybe those that didn't didn't get to see it because their group or their immediate reports or whatever were sequestered away. We're still going to celebrate their work because they still made this game. And I don't want to erase that or forget that or walk away from that. Now, before we get started with the episode proper, Matt, is there anything else you would like to say? Uh, Just as a heads up, we are going to be talking about this again on Tuesday because there is no conceivable way we could do a podcast the week after this revelation and not talk about it. Agreed. Uh, That just if they had done the announcement one day earlier, we would have had to talk about it on that show or simply not done a show that week. There just isn't a way around this. This is a conversation that needs to be had repeatedly. And we will use our platform to do that, to do exactly that. And I will say one more thing. It doesn't stop at Blizzard. No, not even close. It's it's like, I mean, I could sit down and pull out news stories from the past couple years about, you know, the, the, the director of the Assassin's Creed franchise having to step down because he harassed someone so badly and pretended that he wasn't married when he was in order to harass other people. I mean, that's just one story. There's dozens of them out there. I don't don't have any answers here. I, I If I knew how to fix all of it, I would absolutely do so, but I don't. But we will have to talk about it, and we're going to talk about it Tuesday. If, you're not, if that's something, if, if that's something you, you really just can't take right now, I completely understand we're going to have content warnings at the opening of the show as well to remind people because this there's some stuff in here that that can absolutely trigger ptsd and that's all i have to say on this subject i am so so ready to be talking about anything else right now thank you very much everybody for bearing with us on that and we are going to go on to our normal show So recently we've been going through and talking about all of the various raid content that has come out through the history of World of Warcraft. We started in the early days of Vanilla, uh, and we've gone through everything up through Next Ramus, and now we are etching or inching our way into the Burning Crusade. And so today we are going to talk about one of the most favorite of a lot of people. Uh, Like when you ask what your favorite raid is of all time, this is up there for a lot of folks Uh, and probably one of the more story relevant ones continually for several expansions. Uh, We are going to be talking about Karazhan, uh, also known as Medivh's Tower. Uh, It exists in Deadwind Pass. It's located on a nexus of ley lines. Uh, It is dark and ominous uh, and is definitely all sorts of wibbly-wobbly and interdimensionally large. Uh, Matt, would you like to start with anything that uh, with with Karazhan? Well, for starters, Karazhan exists because at one point the 
empty Deadwind Pass saw an enormous explosion, and then there was a tower there. And since then, the tower seems to be existing like a T.H. White version of, of Merlin, in that it is going backwards in time. So, that explosion, when Karazhan first came into existence, was possibly when it was destroyed. And every moment since is heading towards the moment of its construction. And at some point, you know, the tower will be gone because it will have started... I, I don't know if we'll go to Karazhan one day and it will start to be smaller and smaller until it's gone or not. I have no idea. But that seems to be what's happening. That the tower actually exists exactly inverted in time. And for more evidence of this, the book by Jeff Grubb, The Last Guardian, points out that uh, Moros, who at that time was alive and was kind of the, the butler and castellan and steward of the place, you know, formative, went around wearing horse blinders. So he couldn't see stuff happening out of the corner of his eye because disturbing time-lost things were constantly happening just mm -hmm. on the periphery of his vision, and he didn't want to see them. That's, that's the kind of weirdness you get with Karazhan. Uh, that's always been one of my favorite facts about the place, so there you go. That's the first thing I'm going to tell you about it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been the Tower of Medivh for about its whole, its whole existence. Nobody else ever seemed to run it. It was never anybody else's uh, bastion or fortress. Although the, the Azerothian Knightly Order, the well, Brotherhood of the Horse, which was a Stormwind Knightly Order, had their headquarters there. Mm -hmm. And uh, Anduin Lothar, who was the Grand Master of the Order, used to ride forth from it with several other members of the Brotherhood of the Horse. If you're wondering like, what happened to the Brotherhood of the Horse, um, except for Lothar and a few others, they got turned into possessed corpses. The Collectors, right? Uh, actually, no. The first Death Knights. Uh, Terran Gorfiend and the others, they're the bodies they were put into right. were Death Knights. Yeah. I, I don't, the Collectors is a completely different weird thing that has to do with Karazhan, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into them later. So one of my favorite things about Karazhan, going back to its creation just a little bit, uh, and this is also in The Last Guardian, uh, is that it's tied up with uh, Satael uh, draining the land of life with uh, I can never pronounce this. Uh, the Deadwind Harvester, Uthalesh. Uh, yeah, I think it's Uthalesh. Yeah. Uh, so that was the part of the thing that caused the fabric of reality to weaken in that area and cause that massive explosion. Um, and then we know that it is also tied to being created, quote unquote, uh, by the Guardian Egwin using Aluneth 600 years before the first war. Um, this is after she grew paranoid, uh, distrusting the Council of Tristfall, uh, and while she had the spirit of Sargeras within her. Um, so the, that, that, that itself is ridiculous. There's a lot of power there. It's tied up with a Titan's influence, a Guardian's influence, uh, several incredibly powerful magical artifacts, and this is before orcs ever stepped foot on Azeroth. And not to mention that it does exist at a nexus of ley lines, which ley lines are like the magical arterial blood of a place. 
Um, we've dealt with this many, many times throughout uh, the history of Warcraft, but this is the first time that it was ever truly mentioned in game. Uh, and while everybody else was going on to Draenor to go deal with whatever, this was in our backyard. This is incredibly close to the seat of the human kingdoms at this point, what's left of them. Uh, and those ley lines meet underneath Karazhan or inside of Karazhan. That combined with the weakening fabric of reality causes those things that Matt likes to talk about. Those things lost in time uh, or maybe lost in space. Uh, and I think this is also where it was started to be referred to as the tower moving backwards in time, right? Mm-hmm. So for lack of a better term, it was and I don't think we really know this, but it was created and apparently cast to the future and now moves backwards towards time uh, through time to the point where it was created and or destroyed because Karazhan is a weird, weird place. So we talked about Morose. What else what else do you think is relevant here for the well, you already mentioned one of the relevant things, which is that. The uh, the tower is larger on the inside than the outside, and it's pretty big on the outside, but it's much larger on the inside. Uh, traveling through the tower means physically traveling through other places of existence. Um, you, you go to, for lack of a better word, other planes. I don't know. We, we don't know which ones, but like, for example, as you go up in the library, you can look up and see that the library... Uh, just expands out almost infinitely. You can look in like vast directions. There's places where you like you'll be walking. You'll go from walking on gravity as it was outside the tower to suddenly you're walking essentially on the walls. Mm -hmm. um, the tower, in addition to all that, um, it is obviously absolutely infested with ghosts. There's there's tons of them. They're all over the place. They're having parties. Um, there's also other, you know, there's actual physical undead. For instance, Moros is physically undead now. Um, the Library of Medivh was vast. Uh, don't know how much of it he inherited from his mother. Uh, we do know, however, that whilst he was in residence in Karazhan, one of the things Medivh did was he ran across a group of, of merchants who were not particularly morally upright and to punish them he transformed them into his servants these merchants became known as the dark riders and mm. they went around getting artifacts for Medivh that he would then put in the in the tower he kept them in the a sub vault of the tower there's also the entirety of Tarazon is replicated underground an inverted tower yeah so there's the tower going up, and then there is another tower essentially going down into the ground. And there's all sorts of vaults down there. There's the, the upside-down water hell. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. But back in vanilla, a lot of players would go to Karazhan because it was there, even though there was no dungeon in it yet. Uh, and they would try and explore the, the area. There were, like, portals you could get into if you, like got your character to die in exactly the right place, you could resurrect on the other side of the bars and then go down and explore Karazhan. Or you could clip through it. Sometimes there were ways to clip through it as well. Um, I, I've been down there uh, back back in the day when that was the case. And it was it was messed up. Um, you've, if you've 
done the, I forget which mount it is. Uh, one of the mount quests that they put in in, in, in Legion had people go to the under, the under tower of Karazhan mm-hmm. in order to get the mount. Um, I can't, you also I can't go there. You also go there for uh, uh, Aluneth and uh, the Harvester. They're down there as well. Yeah, and you go there for one of the Death Knight weapons. I think Apocalypse, actually. Yeah, because they're all they're all there. They've all been collected and vaulted away. Yeah, it's, it's um, I cannot remember the name of that freaking horse. Uh, but yeah, this was also the place that when when Garona first, you know. He, Garona actually lived there for a while as an emissary from the Horde, I guess. Uh, yes, uh, fr- an emissary and, from the Horde, and it was during the time that Cadgar was actually uh, studying underneath uh, Medivh. So, although really, the th- reason that, Kar- that Cadgar was sent to Medivh was to watch him. Yes, and, and Medivh knew this because you know. Had Sarah Garris inside of him, so very hard to trick him at that point. Uh, but he allowed it because he was interested in Cadgar. Um, possibly might have been the mortal part of him, you know, shining through, trying to uh, halt what Sargaris was planning. But yeah, Karazhan's, it's a fascinating place. I mean, for one thing, there's a Maiden of Pain in it. Yeah, which, that's fascinating. The Maidens are titanic watchers of sorts they're they're Mm -hmm. caretakers right uh and the only time we have seen them outside of karazan has been either in aldum uh which was the very first one iron aya right um which that's all the war all the war excuse me um what's the one i'm thinking of the one that the one that comes out when you do the map room yeah that's iron aya in alduar alduar is the raid not alduman Alderman, there it. we go. Uh, so we're both doing it. Now. <laughs> we knew who it was. Sorry, it's it's been a long week, folks. But yeah, uh, there's the Indiana Jones inspired map room where she comes out, uh, and also there's Arcadus, who's at the basement. Mm-hmm. He's also a Titan Watcher. Uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting that there's a maiden inside Karazhan, and we never find out how she got there or why. Yeah, why is she there? How did she get there? Uh, we do know that the ley lines were of concern to Malagos, who was appointed to his position by the, you know, the Titans. So it also was, seems odd that it was a maiden of virtue as well, right? So like they all seem to have very specific. Uh, I don't want to say like schools of thought, but they all have a specific purpose. Like when you're in the heart chamber, that's a maiden of vitality. Kind of makes sense. Why was the Maiden of Virtue in Karazhan? Especially during a time, very clearly, uh, when Medivh was partially subsumed by Sargeras. Like, there's some interesting implications there. Was Sargeras trying to work through Medivh to corrupt uh, what virtue would get reported back down through that to Azeroth? Is that what they represent? Is that what they are? Um, we still don't have a good answer on that. It should be noted that it's interesting that Medivh had a Titanic Watcher maiden of in his seraglio, which is a fancy word for where he kept his concubines. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that Medivh had a whole bunch of concubines. I mean, okay, 
Um, Demonic concubines. Yeah, yeah, but still. Um, I, I also kind of wonder if that's the Sargeras going there. I'm not sure, but regardless, yeah, there's a lot of things like that. Uh, Karazhan had like has weird spider monsters in the basement. I mean, it's just it, it's a fascinating place. It is a fascinating place, and not just for uh, those tidbits, but it's been something that's been kind of around and in the background of history of the world for a long time, right? So we talked about before the First War, uh, how it was built during the First War, where it was inhabited by Medivh and Morose, uh, Cook, uh, as Apprentice Cadgar, and Garona Hellscream, or I'm sorry, Garona Helferson. Why did I say Hellscream? Don't know. Going to move on. Uh, while he was inhabited by uh, Sargeras, um, you had, and, and that in itself was a pivotal moment, right? So during the First War, Medivh fought against Sargeras's control. Um, the conflict driving him absolutely insane uh, until Anduin Lothar uh, aided Cadgar in storming Karazhan and essentially putting Medivh down. Um, and that was the moment where they mark a curse, uh, pervade that this sort of was released and pervaded both the tower and the lands around it, uh, which made Deadwind Pass even darker than it already was, uh, and started the, or, or was basically given as the cause for why Duskwood is Duskwood, because Duskwood wasn't always like it was, it was a farm area just like uh moving through westfall and those those regions it was more farm wind uh, farmland dedicated to stormwind this happens and then that dark cursed like fairy tale-esque uh sort of like atmosphere settles in around duskwood uh, and that is often referred to as the fall of karazan and after that the kieran tour sent a bunch of mages to go through the tower start seizing any items that they could for uh, the important purposes of research, uh, which includes one of the legendary items uh, or one of the original legendary items, Atiesh, when it was discovered and brought back to Dalaran. Um, so, like, those areas wouldn't be as they were without Karazhan existing and without uh, Medivh and his sort of... Uh, Inter, I'm trying to think of what the word is for it, how tight he was to that place, uh, because any curse that was levied or anything that happened is amplified because of one, the multidimensionality of the place, and two, the fact that there's all those ley lines feeding into it. It's also really interesting that during this time when the Kieran Tor uh, went to sort of go and ransack the place, for lack of a better term, they didn't get below Karazhan. They didn't get into the vaults. In fact, until Legion, and in roughly like in, if you're not counting the comic books, even though we talked about the Dark Riders, but we didn't really know that it existed. Nobody really did. Players did because we kind of found it, but it hadn't had its day in the sun until we went back and unlocked it. So those mages of the Kintor never got down there, which is fascinating. How did they not find it? Is it something that Karazhan just didn't want them to find it? Is it something that the spirit of Medivh, which we know uh, was still around in doing things, uh, was sort of you know, preventing them from, from being able to find it? It's 
Karazhan in this moment is almost starting to be represented as a living place. And I think that's fascinating because before this, it was just the Guardian's Tower. Nobody really thought too much of it. Uh, anything you want to add about that? I think in general, the thing to keep in mind about Karazhan is that even before it became the raid that we are talking about, it was a nexus for, well, the the absurd, the abnormal, and the, you know, flat-out insane. It, it, it is a place that defies time and space. Mm-hmm. It is a place where the ley lines were, were dragged to the surface by the uh, use of Aluneth after the devastation caused by Ulafesh. Uh, this is a... I don't even... It's like, you remember when, when Malagos was attempting to move all the ley lines to a point where he controlled them? Yep, when he was trying he to pull them all to gonna, friend. He was going to cut off all the magic in the world. This is the kind of thing that it that they do. They, they form places like this. Um, this is why Malagos was afraid. This is what he was afraid of. And as a result of all that, it's not surprising that during the Burning Crusade expansion, which is the one we're talking about, Karazhan was actually invaded by the Burning Legion. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you'd think to some degree, of course it would have been. I mean, Sargeras was heavily involved in it for, for years. But the invasion actually took place in the part of Karazhan that exists outside of physical reality. Um. Yeah, when you get to that point in the in the raid and you look outside, you're looking into the Twisting Nether. You're not on Azeroth anymore. Yeah, there's a physical roof location to the tower, but the one that you go to for the final fight against Pr- Prince Malchazar, um, uh, and the Legion he commands, my apologies, I, I didn't mean to ignore them. Uh, the place you go is clearly drifting in the, in the Twisting Nether. You can see, like, giant rock formations out in the nether that you you know from the roof as you're as you're fighting him and as he's dropping infernals on you so it is it is not surprising that this is the back door that the legion chose to get into azeroth because they they remember they need some form of portal and they need a massive amount of power for that portal yeah so by using karazhan they're effectively sidestepping that requirement the tower already exists. The tower already goes to another plane of reality. The tower already has access to that kind of power. It is drawing upon it all the time. So, by using Karazhan, you're effectively sidestepping the requirement. Like you, you've, you've seen that the Legion either has massive ships that they use to travel to worlds, and that those take longer, or they build portals. And that's what Gul'dan did at the Tomb of Sargeras, and that's what had been done there previously um, in the first place. The original portal that was used to enter the, the world of Azeroth all those years ago. So I, I do find myself wondering, the Tumas Argaris was a Titan facility. Mm-hmm. As far as you know, Karazhan isn't a Titan facility. But it was crafted by somebody who had the forget of a for inside of them, right? Forget that, though. Forget when it was crafted, all that stuff. We know 
that there was a Titan facility in what is now the Eastern Kingdoms. Because we know about Uldaman. Mm -hmm. And we know that Kithix, who was a, a servant of Kachathraxi sent by Loken, ran down to Stranglethorn within like a few, like not even a mile or two away from Deadwind Pass and the Karazhan. Like, go there sometime. Keep in mind that the game world is not scale to like how big it would actually be. But it's still so within like a day's travel. It's, it's right there. Yeah. I find myself wondering, there's this massive ley line nexus. Well, we know that all the Titan facilities were built to help shape the ley line power and guide it back to the wound that was the original Well of Eternity. We know that's why they were there. So I wonder if there is, in fact, that the reason that that tower digs down into the Earth like it does is it's trying to get to the Titan facility. And that's something I think about a lot, especially after we see that the Legion use it as a means to get into Azeroth, because the, the Tumor Sargeras, they, they did the exact same thing, and it was a Titan facility. That's exactly why it had the power they needed to open the portal that they used. And it's why uh, Aegwyn hid the Avatar of Sargeras inside it in the first place. Now, she hid the Avatar of Sargeras in the Tomb of Sargeras, then she creates Karazhan, which she you know, guided into both of those acts by the, the Dark Titan living inside of her. I don't know, but it is something worth thinking about. The entire Legion invasion of Karazhan, it, it created a situation that's never really been dealt with. To, to this day, Azeroth has a big hole in it that, that leads straight to the Twisting Nether. Right in the middle of Deadwind Pass. It's right there, still. At any moment, something else could decide to use it. And, you know, what would we do? We guess we'd have to go back and raid it again. Um, during Legion, the, the Legion tried to use it again. Uh, to the point where they flew one of their dimension ships right up to the part in the Twisting Nether where it exists. Not just one, a whole fleet. Yeah, they were going to come right through it again. It's a huge weak spot. Currently at the moment, Sargeras is trapped and we don't know if Kil if Kil'jaeden and... Uh, Oh, bloody heck. Why can't I remember the other guy's name? He's a raid boss in, in the Burning Crusade for, for freak's sake. You're talking about Archimonde? Thank you, Archimonde. You're welcome. We don't know if, if Kil'jaeden and Archimonde will be back. We don't know if, if they're dead for good or if they'll be able to return. But we do know that there's a lot of demons left. Just because the Legion as a group it doesn't currently have leadership doesn't mean the demons went anywhere. Mm-hmm. And currently, the Dreadlords are kicking up schemes in Corthia. The Dreadlords know full well about Karazhan. They know there's a way through. So for all we know, we could end up seeing Karazhan in this expansion. It would be oddly pertinent, and I think appropriate, if we did. So... Yeah, and I think that's I, I think that is the other fascinating thing too, because so I, I you can't talk about Karazhan without talking about Medivh a lot. The two are so intricately tied up, and 
Medivh, it seemed like in death, got some of his clarity back because whatever was affecting him when he was cons- or had the influence of Sargeras seemed to be split from him when he died. Uh, almost like the pieces of him that were him got to be him again. Uh, and so when we see things like the Warcraft 3 cinematic, uh, where Medivh is going to warn of the coming, uh, you know, the, the Dark Portal and all that other good stuff, um, and warning about the Legion and the demons coming, that is the spirit of Medivh. And we see it again in Legion, where it's inside Karazhan again. And Karazhan is a weird place in that regard, too. And we talk about that it has, like, ghosts and things like that. But temporally, it also houses echoes. Um, we have one of the first encounters that we, we had that I thought was really interesting was Medivh's father's soul or echo is there. Aran. How and why? And when you're fighting him, you're fighting the shade of him. Somebody who's gone mad or been driven mad in this particular moment. But why is he there? Is that because he died there? I don't remember seeing anything about that. Is no, he didn't die in Karazhan. He did die uh, actually in Stormwind. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Medivh went into a, a coma. And then when he awoke, the explosion of power killed Aran, who was close by. So it's possible that he got ended up in Karazhan because he's linked to Medivh. But how does that work? Couldn't tell you. We also know that the area is of particular import to a couple of other... At the time, it seemed like it was just like, oh, this is a D&D dungeon. Ha 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 ha. But the Ethereals are interested in this place as well. And we don't know what they're doing, but they are not friendly to us when we find them inside of Karazhan. Especially in the, the original incarnation of it. They attack. There's one vendor that doesn't. But they are looking for something. They drop books. They are dropping items. And in Karazhan, books are power. In fact, interestingly enough, informed by lore, one of the things you could do would be to read certain books to gain certain buffs. Because, again, the knowledge contained within Karazhan was power. And I always thought that was fascinating. And it was always, that's what they were looking for. They were in a library section, essentially. And yes, that reformed later when we went back during Legion. But original Karazhan, uh, which is still there, you can still go to. Uh, that was fascinating to see that. The other thing, and I, I don't remember what type of dragon it was. I think it was a Nether Drake, wasn't it? Oh, Nether Spite? Nether Spite, yeah. Yeah, Nether Spite is a Nether Dragon, absolutely. So that's also fascinating because Nether Spite is just there, right? Uh, it is a there is yeah. It, it, Nether Spite got in there when traveling through the just the Nether. Yeah, it's basically just a freebie dragon. <laughs> yeah, hey, there's a dragon over there. Oops. Mm-hmm. I mean, then there's Nightbane, but Nightbane at least has a reason for being there. Yeah, and Nightbane has has story. Do you want to talk about Nightbane a little bit? No, I refuse. Uh, no, Nightbane, actually, what I'm going to do here is get the names right, because I want to make sure of the blue dragon who originally showed up. So give me one second. <laughs> uh, Arcanagos, by the way. 
if you're looking for the blue dragon name. Yeah, I did. Uh, and I was just pushing the wrong button for about a minute straight trying to talk to you. So, um, <laughs> What happened was, as we pointed out earlier, Malagos was concerned with the ley lines. Now, at this time, Malagos was still somewhat crippled by grief and his, his inability to think straight that he'd been going through since the death of his flight uh, thousands of years ago during the... Uh, the War of the Ancients. So he wasn't capable of just going there himself. Had Malagos shown up at Karazhan, you know, in full dudgeon, things very different, might have been very different. Um, and Eve did have Sargeras in him, so, you know, not exactly a pushover, but a fully-fledged avatar, you know, aspect of, of magic. Probably a much harder fight. But since Malagos was indisposed, the Blue Dragon Flight sent uh, Arcanagos to go and check the place out. And he got there, and he, he saw Medivh there, saw him doing something, and it was like, you know, wizard, this place, you, you should not be here. Uh, there's ley lines twisting up underneath it. You, whatever you're doing, you've got to stop. And Medivh's response to that was, <laughs> no thank you. Uh, they fought. Uh, Medivh basically destroyed him with with fire magic uh but from the inside out yeah from the inside out but at the same time it didn't it didn't quite kill him it just made him horribly he he looks very similar to the kinds of of undead dragons that the lich king would later make use of but he's not actually an an undead dragon he's not an ember worm he just looks like one uh what he is is essentially sustained by the flames that Medivh hit him with uh, and, and kept in a horrible state of non-existence by them. He's not dead. He's not alive. He is undead, but he's not scourge-type undead. But he does have um, almost like a phylactery, kind of. Yeah, he does, in fact, have a phylactery, um, probably because Medivh did that on purpose. To bind him, yeah. Yeah, and this implies that the, one of the, the mysteries he learned from Sargeras was this kind of necromancy, which is like, okay, um, yeah. But it, regardless, you you have to get various journals from Medivh in order to summon the boss in the first place, which is why people who wanted to summon Nightbane, and which one of the reasons people actually think of Nightbane as the actual last boss of Karazhan. Um, some people think it's Prince Malchazar, some people think it's Nightbane. Because Nightbane, although Nightbane is not at the top of the place, that's where Malchazar is, and Nightbane is not part of the Burning Legion like so much of the rest of the place is, uh, Nightbane is deeply involved in the Medivh story. In order to even summon him, you have to go and get Medivh's journal pieces out of Shattered Halls and Sethic Halls. And, you know, I have no idea why that's involved in it, but, you know, it is. I, I believe there's also a time-lost key just to even get into Karazhan in the first place. You actually have to go back in time and get the key from Medivh. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that's that's not really related exactly, but if, you're ever, if you've ever been to the, uh, the Black Morass dungeon, the one that came in in Burning Crusade, yeah, you ne originally needed to go to that dungeon to get into Karazhan because you would go 
at the end, after you helped protect Medivh from the, the infinite dragon flight attacking him to prevent him from opening the dark portal, you present him with his own key, which is broken, and he's like, that's, this, that's my key. And then he gives you his key, the one he's currently carrying, which eventually, of course, is going to end up broken and useless, and you'll find it and take it back to him when he gets... It's that kind of thing. That's, that's Karazhan in a nutshell. That kind of stuff happens all the time. But yeah, Nightbane, in order to summon him in the first place, you have to go and, and do all that. So some people think Nightbane is the, the end boss. Regardless of, of who you think the end boss is, though, Nightbane is basically a symbol for people with good intentions trying to stop the things Medivh was doing from happening without really knowing what he was doing. Uh, and Aegwin did much the same thing. Aegwin mm-hmm. uh, came to Karazhan and tried to stop Medivh. Uh, and probably would have done so, even without you. Keep in mind, she had given up the Guardian power to him. She had, you know, no, was no longer the Guardian. She was a, just an experienced mage. But she probably could have beaten him just from sheer, you know, the sheer amount of experience she had, uh, if not for the fact that the Dark Titan was inside him. And she didn't know or could, and couldn't predict that. And she couldn't bring herself to kill her own child. Oddly enough, Medivh didn't kill her either. You want to talk about that one, or does that cover it? You think? I think that covers it because that's that's a whole that's a whole thing on its own. I think because it's not that in it of itself isn't a thing. I think that ties to Karazhan further. So I think we can move away from it. That just for now. yeah, it just happened there. Yeah, that's where they fought. Like we don't actually see it, but there is reference to it uh, multiple times, uh, and there is reference to it in Legion when we start talking about like the the echo or shade of Aegwin, uh that that exists there in the the recording of it. But I think we should jump ahead a little bit. So a- after everything has been happening with Karazan, and this is where we're going to kind of double dip a little bit because it came back during Legion, right? It came back during Legion after an event in which Karazan had sealed itself off. The place itself, the living entity that that is Karazan, shut itself off for a number of years, trapping several of the mages of the uh, the eye, uh, the violet eye inside. And which is why when you go there, there are mages of the violet eye outside gardening or guarding gardening guarding the tower and per, and patrolling the area trying to bring things under control like uh, the weeds because they're gardening there you go sure we'll go with that i see haha i was right along uh it takes cadgar's help to unlock it and get inside and now during legion uh with the return of burning the burning legion cadgar enters karazan to find knowledge. They actually do a whole, uh, like, I think it was, it wasn't Warbringers, right? What was it? What it was called? I can't remember the, the, the animated thing. Um, a harbingers harbingers. Thank you. Uh, and as soon as he gets in there, he's approached by the spirit of Medivh, who says it is time to fulfill Kagar's destiny as becoming Azeroth's next guardian. Kagar doesn't want to be the next guardian. Uh, and it turns out that in this moment, it's not actually the spirit of Kagar. It's a dreadlord. Ha <laughs> uh, In which Kagar does defeat him uh, and starts trying to cleanse 
the Karazhan of the infestation of the Legion because the Legion had been using it, like Matt said, as a portal to try to get back into uh, our world to complete their goals because, again, piece of it touches the Twisting Nether. Uh, it is absolutely wonderful how much it ties in with that. And it also ties in with if you were a mage and you started playing through the mage uh, order hall stuff, uh, Elodie, the first guardian, uh, because the information for that is contained in the guardian's library. <laughs> so there's moments where you are sent to Karazhan to go get that. It is yet another item that you are tied to, to going to Karazhan for these artifacts. So this means uh, the spirit of Elodie, uh, that I forgot what the name of the weapon is, so I apologize, mages. It's been a while since I've done it. Um, the Atiesh, you have the uh, Harvester, the uh, which I think is I can't remember, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong. The Harvester is different than the the Scythe of a Loon, right? Or is it the same item? Oh, very much different. Yeah, because the Scythe of a Loon is also tied up there because the riders yeah, the were sent to get that. Scythe of a Loon is actually it's also another artifact being used during Legion. Yeah, the uh, druids get it. Yeah, and it's I personally personally loved also how, the staff of Alady was Ebon Shell. Thank you. Uh, I like how much it's tied into those items because also at this time because of what. Uh, our lovely Malagos did, all those ley lines were ripped away. And so there's no longer the massive convergence. Uh, there's still a ton of power left over, but it's not the well that it used to be. And so now all of a sudden these Dark Riders are being seen more and more going out and grabbing incredible items of power and bringing them back down to the vaults. It was never explained really why they were doing that, but it almost felt like they were trying to keep Karazhan powered up for whatever its purpose was, which we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what the ultimate purpose of it is. It has never been revealed to us. It has been hinted, uh, but it, it never really has been told explicitly what it is. And when you go into it during Legion and you go and you make your way through and you are helped by the actual spirit of Medivh, um, the place is transformed. It's continually shifting and changing. The library itself had been reconstructed. And originally when you went to go through it and you looked off to the, the distance in the library, it was just like this void of arcane like weirdness. Uh, very similar to how we've seen in other places. Uh, look almost like a thing out of Escher painting. Uh, and now when you go there, it's an actual library. It's massive. It's huge. And you get shrunk down. That's a whole other thing. But it's still a, it's still a library, possibly because Medivh is reordering it to how it was supposed to be. Because that's the other thing we don't know. We don't know how long the actual spirit of Medivh has been back here. How long it's been trying to fix whatever was made wrong with this place between his mother being influenced in the creation of it by Sargeras, between him uh, influencing it around him, because it does seem like Karazhan molds itself to whoever is the purveyor or the the owner of said estate. Um, and if he's tainted by Sargeras, that obviously tainted things quite a bit. And now, because Kagar isn't going to claim it, it doesn't belong to the Kirantor. The Violet Eye... I mean, very clearly, the place doesn't want them there. 
So if Medivh's spirit is back and claiming the place, because he very clearly has the power to do that, is he reordering it? And if so, why? Especially because I would have expected Sargeras to do something about that at the end of Legion, or have some sort of moment with it, but there was never any sort of closure on it. Now, I know, I think in, there's been some short stories in which Cadgar also goes back to uh, Karazhan quite a bit. Well, he's mentioned that he's, that he's currently in residence there in the Exploring Azeroth book. Yeah. Um, and that he's actually trying to repair the curator so that it can do its job again. Yep. Uh, there's there's certainly there's more artifacts stored in there besides that. Also, um, the ley lines have been moved back. Uh, the the natural pattern of ley lines was restored after what Medivh, after what Malagos did, and they're currently there's a nexus underneath Garazon again. That's had, that's that's been the case since they they were doing the uh, the violet eye and the. Uh, Oh, Kirintor. come on. Thank you. The Kirintor have been working on that like throughout Cataclysm and, you know, uh, Miss Pandaria and Warlords. That's what they were doing. That's one of the major tasks they were doing. So that's that's been done. So that's worth knowing. Yeah. And I think we haven't seen the last of Karazhan. I think that it will play a role at some point, too, because, again, we haven't seen Khadgar in a while. Uh, he really wasn't around during Battle for Azeroth. He hasn't been around at all this time. Uh, we don't know what he's really been doing since Legion concluded. Uh, and even then, it didn't feel like he had too much of a major role. It felt like he was more present in Warlords of Draenor than he was now. So we don't know what he's been doing all this time besides trying to fix the Curator. Um, very clearly involved with some of the artifacts like the Cloak of Purity. Um, being returned to him and being returned to Karazhan. But because we know that the spirit or ghost or entity that is uh, Medivh is still there, is his tutelage continuing? We know that he has Atiesh. We know that he has a very powerful uh, magical artifact at his, his disposal, one that has been used by guardians for ages. Is he learning? Is he going to take over his role as guardian without having to have any of the the Tris, the guardians of Trisfall stuff happen to him because he straight up doesn't want that but unfortunately he is in a position where he is an incredibly powerful archmage that needs to be ready to help defend Azeroth is that what he's working on and why isn't he present with everything that's going on with Shadowlands and the thinning of the veil between worlds I'm very curious if it's going to pop up or become relevant, especially with everything else that's going on. Like you mentioned, with the Nexus now being moved back there and now sustaining itself, is that something we could potentially see be of interest to somebody like Zoval? Is that something that would be uh, of importance or uh, on the radar of the Dreadlords again? We know that with massive amounts of power... They can do very terrible things. Is that what Karazhan was originally going to be twisted for? So 
I don't know, but I don't think it's the last we've seen of it. It may not have another raid moment. It may not have another dungeon moment. Uh, but I think it will, at least in story, come back at some point. What do you think, Matt? I, I feel like if it doesn't, I would be very surprised. Um, there's a lot of potential yet in Karazhan. The fact that it sidesteps the usual rules for interdimensional travel, as well as its unusual relationship to time, means that you could you could very easily come upon like the the beginning of Karazhan at some point. Like the, Kar- the Karazhan's start is in our future. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting things you could do with it. I would be surprised if it never showed up again. I would very much agree with that. But I think with that, unless there's anything else you want to add to it, I think we can call it good. Yeah, I think so. All right. So Karazhan is a fascinating place, one which I think we will definitely see more of in the future. Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, and again, we understand that if you don't feel comfortable supporting uh, the, this community anymore, we understand it is a very troubling time for everybody, and everything is your decisions are very deeply personal to you. I will take this opportunity to remind our listeners that while we announced it on our D&D stream, we are going to be producing content that is not specifically Blizzard-related as well. We are looking at doing more of that. Uh, in fact, starting this week, uh, the first episode of our tabletop uh, fireside podcast, I guess would be the best way to put it, uh, very much in the vein of the Blizzard Watch podcast, which we are resurrecting the banner Tavern Watch for, will be recorded, in which we'll be talking about tabletop RPG-type uh, stuff, uh, and so that if you have questions that you would like us to answer on that, because we know that lots of our listeners uh, do play tabletop games, love talking about them, love playing in them, uh, that you want to talk about with us, you can send those in to podcast.blizzardwatch.com, as well as our Discord channels that are available to you. And this podcast will not just be me and Matt talking. Uh, we are also bringing Liz Harper into it as well, uh, where she will be our third chair to offer unique perspectives that Matt and I simply don't have so it'll be a good time and i'm looking forward to recording it uh so if that's something you're interested in i hope that uh we'll see you there so thank you very much we'll see you next week <laughs> <laughs>